Blog Talk Radio. Shout. 
Welcome back to another episode of Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. I'll be your host for the evening. And if you want to check us out on the website, we're at www.prayerinternational.org. If you have any prayer requests, you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. So I want to just start out by opening up in a word of prayer. And then we will get into God's Word tonight. So, Father God, right now we just thank you for Jesus. We just thank you for your goodness. We just thank you for just being you. Father, just the fact that we can come before you, just the fact that you're there for us, just the fact, Lord, that you don't leave us alone, but you make yourself available through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Tonight in the lives of every man Every woman, every child, every teenager That might be listening And Lord we pray That your Holy Spirit would be with us Tonight in presence And in truth We just ask this in Jesus name Amen So tonight We titled the episode The Battle for Your Soul And the reason I titled it that is because, you know, we're told in the Word of God that we're in a war, we're in a fight. They call it the good fight of faith. And in this fight, obviously, like in any war, any fight, any battle, there are oppositions. There's usually one or two, maybe more parties involved, and one is against the other one. And in this case... We have an enemy, his name is Satan or the devil, whatever you want to call him, and he's warring for our souls. You know, the Word of God says he seeks about as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. It doesn't mean he is a roaring lion, but he's walking around as a roaring lion. His goal is to devour. He's seeking whom he may devour. And to devour means to eat up, to destroy, to chew apart, you know, whatever you have it in your mind, what devour means. That's what his plan is. You know, the enemy has plots and plans and schemes, and the Bible says don't be ignorant of those schemes. You see, we're to have knowledge, we're to be prepared, we're to be ready. And if you don't know who your enemy is, if you don't know who or what you're fighting, a lot of times you can be caught off guard in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the battle. And so tonight I wanted to get into the book of Ephesians, the New Testament book. It's one of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. We see it as a book. Actually, it was actually a written letter that was sent to the church. And one thing that's interesting is in most of 
Paul's letters, he writes to certain churches, but he also says, and to all the saints, or to all the brethren, or to all those that are in Christ, which means we're included. This wasn't just a specific letter written to these guys, but it had a purpose and an intent to minister to those that are in Christ, minister to those that are in the family of faith. And so I want to start out by reading Ephesians chapter 6, a portion of it, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. Uh, Throughout the night, we may go into a short time of worship and then back into the Word. Of course, if you have any prayer requests, you can always call in. You can always go, like I said, to the email and send in prayer requests, and we'll be happy to pray for you. Uh, Concerning those needs So Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 10 Says finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might Put on the whole armor of God That you may be able to stand Against the wiles of the devil For we wrestle not Against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And we'll go ahead and finish out the last two verses in that little portion. It says, And for me the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we'll stop there. Basically this portion was Ephesians 6:10 through 20. So let's back up for a minute and talk about what this actually means. Now, I took a few notes, so you'll have to bear with me, because I really want us to kind of capture the context of what's being said. Kind of just get a hold and get this down inside of us so that we can continue in this battle. So, as I said before, if you're a Christian, you're in a battle, whether you realize it or not. You may not even realize that you're in a battle. But the Bible says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. It says that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And so just because you don't know that you're in a battle doesn't make truth any untruthful, any less untruthful. So this battle's for your mind. This battle's for your spirit and ultimately your life. 
You know, the Apostle Paul, as we mentioned before, he warned us about this ongoing conflict, not just in Ephesians, but in a lot of his, what we call epistles or letters. But this is the the letter that we find, uh, you know, he really emphasizes this battle. And so let's go ahead and, and kind of break it down. It says, take up the full armor of God. See, in order to win a battle, we have to have a strategy. And the strategy that Paul is talking about is a strategy to take up armor. It's, it's something that we wear, something that protects us. That way when we go into warfare, when we go into battle, we're protected. See, a lot of times we go into battle, we go into situations, and we don't have the proper weapons or the proper tools. We don't have the proper attire to go into these things, and we end up getting beat up. We end up uh, getting knocked down. Sometimes we end up defeated. And we become victims rather than victors. But see, God wants us to have victory. In order to have victory, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared for battle. So like any good soldier, whether it's back in the day when they wore armor or even today what what they call body armor, our military is clad with helmets. They're clad with uh, Kevlar armor. They've got boots on. They've got everything that they need. So when their enemy is attacking them, they don't feel or they're not affected by the attack. So take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. So my question to you is, are you doing everything to stand? Are you doing everything that you can do to stand up against your enemy when he's attacking you? Are you standing firm? You know, one thing I think is interesting is that one of the pieces of this armor is called the shoes of the gospel of peace. And, you know, when we think of shoes... You know, most of us, we may wear tennis shoes, we may wear dress shoes or boots or whatever. But back in the day, these soldiers would wear these shoes that are very similar to, if anyone's familiar with what soccer cleats are or uh, sport cleats, they're shoes that have spikes in the bottom of them. And the reason these shoes are made that way is so that whenever you step and you place your foot and your feet in certain places, the spikes go down into the ground and you get a firm footing so that you can't slide, you can't be moved, you can't be knocked down. You're planted, you're rooted, you're grounded. Wherever those shoes are, you're grounded. You're stable. You're standing firm, just as the Apostle Paul says, stand firm. And so these shoes were the shoes of the gospel of peace. So God equates peace, the Apostle Paul equates peace in the Word of God with something that causes us to have a firmness, something in us that causes us to get rooted and be stable and be grounded to where we can't be moved, we can't be detoured, we can't be 
taken out of our firm footing. Shoes of the gospel of peace. Let's talk about that for a minute. Now, these are things that we should have all the time. You know, I mentioned these Roman soldier shoes. The heavily studded sandals with the nails in them. And a lot of times we're so distracted. We're so easily moved by things. Why? Because we're we're not firm in our relationship with God. We don't have peace in the things that he's telling us. We don't have peace in the things that he's done for us. So we're to stand firm in that peace. God offers us peace. The Bible says it's peace that we can't comprehend necessarily. Peace which passes understanding. That means sometimes you can't figure it out in your mind. Because sometimes you're going through a situation that in the natural, you want to freak out. It doesn't make any sense to be peaceful when you're going through a storm. But Jesus, he doesn't do things like the world does it. He says, peace I give you. Peace I leave you. Not as the world gives. And here these disciples were with Jesus one day out on the boat. And the winds and the waves were coming. And the boat began to rock and the boat began to shake. And they began to fret. They began to fear. They began to get worried. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. Why? Because he knew he had a relationship with the Father that no matter how rocky things got, no matter what kind of storm he was going through, his Father was going to take care of it. He was able to have peace. And he says, the same peace that I have, I want to give it to you. And that's our firm footing in this battle. We can have peace with God. So one of these pieces of armor are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, putting on peace shoes, we'll call them peace shoes, means aligning your soul, getting it under the rule of your spirit, getting it under the rule of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to help you take every thought captive. So everything that's going against what God is saying is brought under control. It's getting to a place where in your life you let the peace of Christ rule your thoughts and your actions. When worry creeps back in, you remind yourself that the enemy's lying to you. Why? Because God's promised you peace. Every attack on peace in your life, you take it back to the spiritual realm. You contend it with God's truth on the matter. That means you take God's word. And whatever's trying to rob you of your peace, you begin to declare the word of God. See, the other piece of the armor was called the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Well, Jesus said he's the truth. He said God's word is truth. We're to have our loins girt with truth. One of the most vital parts of the armor protected their, their organs. It was that part that went around their waist. And here Paul calls it the belt of truth. 
Let's talk about the belt of truth for a minute. And I'm briefly going to skim through these because, one, we don't have enough time to really get into it. And we, we may have some episodes where we break down each piece of the armor and really dive into it. But right now, I'm just kind of skimming the surface. But he says to take on the belt of truth. Well, what does that mean? The belt of truth. It involves realizing truth is God-based knowledge. Let's call it God-based knowledge. Knowledge that lines up with what God is saying. It's God's viewpoint on the matter. In other words, when you're going through a situation or a storm or a circumstance or a trial, we don't want human wisdom. We want God's wisdom. We don't want what our neighbor thinks we should do. We need to find out what God is saying we should do or how we should respond or how we should react to it. And so we need to get God's viewpoint. We need to get God's opinion. We need to get God's wisdom in the middle of our situation. Now think about this. Truth in a natural perspective is comprised of information and facts. Okay, when we talk about truth, it's based on information and it's based on facts. But in this case, it also includes God's original intent. It, it's God's standard. Let's put it this way. It's God's standard that we measure reality with. We, there's a way to measure our reality, and we hold God's word as the standard. We hold God's concepts and his viewpoint as the standard on how we measure our reality. Truth has already been predetermined by God. God's already declared truth. He's already basically lined out what truth is. He said, this is truth. This is the way it goes. I've predetermined it. Some people would call it predestination. He predestined it. He sovereignly declared what it was before it even was. So we line up with God's truth. And the thing about truth is you can know truth in your head all you want. But truth has to be accepted internally. Not just in your head, but in your heart. You have to internally accept truth. And it's one thing to know truth, but it's another thing to act on it. You see, Jesus taught there were two men. Both of these men knew God. Both of these men knew the Word of God, but only one of these men actually acted on the Word of God. And they both built these houses. One built his house of wood, hay, and stubble, straw, sticks. The other built his house on rocks out of a stronger material. And there came a great storm. And when that storm came, they began to the winds and the rains began to beat on the house made of hay and sticks. And that house was destroyed. It got blown away, washed away, swept away. But that same storm came to the other man's house that was made out of rock 
It was on a firm foundation. There's that firm footing again. And when the storm beat on it and the winds blew on it, that house stood. When the storm was over, that one man's house was still there. And Jesus said, you know, the difference between these two men was that one acted on the word. One acted on the truth. The other one, he knew all about the truth, but he didn't do anything with it. And so truth, even though it's internally accepted, even though truth is processed in our minds and in our hearts, we have to externally act on it. And so when we say we put on the belt of truth, not only are we taking God's concepts and God's opinion and God's say on the matter, but we're also acting on it. We're also acting on that truth, standing on that truth, doing something with that truth. And so in this fight of faith, two vital parts of this armor, two vital parts of our weapons of warfare, if you will, shoes of the gospel of peace, the belts of truth. See, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, we can't even worship God unless we're rooted in truth. And you can't win a battle against the enemy of your soul unless you're rooted and you're acting in accordance with that truth. And along the way, God wants us to have peace. He wants to have a trust in God. That what he's going to do is going to see us through. That he's going to give us victory in this battle. So there's armor that we take up. There's armor that we wear. The first three pieces we covered, the belt of truth. He says, to put on, to put on. We're to put these on. We're to wear these. We always put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the gospel of peace. So let's talk about that breastplate of righteousness. What is that? What is the breastplate of righteousness? Look, that's already been given to us. Our job is to wear it. See, we received righteousness when we got saved. The Bible says that we received a righteousness not of our own, but we received the righteousness of Christ. So when you got saved, you got the breastplate of righteousness. That's the part that covers your heart. And when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you gave your heart to Christ, you received his righteousness. When you accepted his blood to cover you from your sins and he washed you clean of your sins, he put you in the righteous category. So let's talk about that. What does that look like? What does that do for us? The breastplate of righteousness. Well, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Now, we're not really talking about a physical heart when we talk about guarding our hearts. 
but we're talking about the innermost part of a man or a woman, which is their spirit, their soul, the part of them that connects with God, the part of them that has the life of God, the part of them that also controls the mind, will, and emotions, which is the soul. It's all interconnected. And we'll get into that sometime. We'll have a teaching on the body, spirit, and soul. So some of this stuff will kind of make a little more sense. But we guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. See, God deposited truth within you and righteousness within you when you got saved. But you can't benefit from it unless you're willing to dig down. See, we have righteousness, but unless you dig down with the shovel of truth, it doesn't do you any good. You can bury a treasure in the ground, but unless you dig it out, you can't benefit from it. And God can deposit his righteousness inside of you. God can deposit his peace and his power inside of you. God can deposit his freedom inside of you. But unless you assimilate that truth and dig it out and extract the benefit from it, you can't really have victory. So they all work together. The righteousness which is what restores us back to God, Christ's righteousness. Peace, which comes through having a faith and a trust in God. And truth, which is getting God's opinion or God's say on a matter. Well, what does God say about the matter? That's truth. So we have these three pieces that we're told to wear all the time. Now, there's other parts of the armor. It says to take up. And when you take something up, you take it up when you need it. You're not always carrying it. But when you need to use it, you take it up. So let's talk about the next three pieces of armor. Paul switches in this chapter from verbs for the next three pieces of armor. He basically switches it. See, one says put on. The other one says take up. So what do we take up? We take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now let's talk about those three pieces. These are three more vital pieces of armor that we need to fight the enemy of our soul. The shield of faith. Listen, faith is critical. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is substance. The Bible says faith is substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not yet seen. Well, what does that mean? 
It means there's a certain part of faith. There's a certain part of trusting in God. There's a certain part of believing God and his word that at the time you can't necessarily see what's happening. You can't necessarily see what's going on, but you begin to walk in faith. You begin to trust. It's kind of like when you get in your car and you start driving. You don't know all the integral parts of a car. You don't know every piece of the motor. You don't know every piece of the brake system. You don't know how everything works. But when you get in your car and you start the key and you start accelerating, you press the gas and you start driving down the road, it takes a certain element of faith to believe that your car is, A, not going to break down or run out of gas. B, you're going to get to your destination. And it takes a certain amount of faith, a certain amount of believing just to get in your car and drive down the road. And when you're in Christ, when you get into God, when you begin to align yourself with the things of God, it takes a certain amount of believing, a certain amount of faith that God is going to get you where you need to go. You may not understand everything about God. You may not understand everything about Jesus. You may not understand everything about the Holy Spirit. It just takes enough faith to get into God and allow him to take you in the direction that you need to go. So let's talk about faith for a little bit because, like I said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith accesses what God has already done or what he plans on doing. Think about that. Faith accesses what God has already done or what God plans on doing. The Bible says, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, faith is a powerful weapon. It's rooted in Jesus Christ. See, that's the roots. One of the keys to winning in warfare is this faith. It's like this. Faith is acting like something is so. Faith is acting like something is a certain way, even when it isn't. All because God said so. See, sometimes God says something's a certain way, and just because we don't see it at the time, we don't always believe it. But Jesus said, have faith in him. Believe in him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. That means just because it's not a certain way doesn't mean it really isn't that way. And as we begin to take God at his word, see, the world will tell you you're you're lost. The world will tell you you're going to lose. The world will tell you you're never going to feel better. The world will tell you you'll always stay poor or always stay miserable. And God says, no, you can be healed. You can be filled with joy. You can have victory. 
you can prosper. You can be happy. And at the time, you may be going through a certain situation where it doesn't look like that. But as you begin to get into God and begin to trust in God and allow God to take you from faith to faith and glory to glory, as you begin to accelerate in the things of God and you begin to build this trust walk with God, things begin to change. Part of the reason we don't see things change is because we begin to back up and we begin to see things with our own eyes, our own perspective. We begin to call things like they are. We begin to declare things as they are instead of declaring things differently than they are. Instead of begin to say what God says. If God says something's a certain way, then we need to get to a place where we begin to say, well, this is how it is. Just because we don't see it yet doesn't mean it's not true. And even in science, there's a lot of theories. And scientists will have a lot of theories. And they'll say things are a certain way. And it doesn't necessarily make it true. It's just a theory. Until it actually manifests. And then it's no longer a theory. But it's a truth. And so sometimes truth, at least experiential truth to man, is progressive. And that comes through faith sometimes. That comes through trusting sometimes. We take up this shield of faith, the Bible says, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What does that mean? It means this, that the enemy is going to hurl fiery darts at you. The enemy is going to shoot fiery darts at you. The enemy is going to come bringing attacks and bringing circumstance and bringing people and bringing situations into your life that are contrary to what God is saying and doing that are trying to take you in a separate direction or a different direction than the direction that God is trying to push you in. And sometimes you have to put on those shoes of peace and get your firm footing, begin to dig your heels into the ground so that you can stand firm. And you need to begin to assimilate the truth of God's word and begin to guard your heart with the breastplate of righteousness so that those fiery darts don't get inside your heart and begin to change your thinking. And you begin to line up your thinking with the way God thinks. You begin to line up your thoughts with God's thoughts. You begin to speak and declare those same things that God is speaking and declaring over your life. And that's faith. Faith works by love. What does that mean? See, God loved us even when we were yet sinners. See, God loves us even when we were going the wrong way, going the opposite way of what he was going. But there's a certain element of trust that's produced in a relationship where there's love. And as we begin to love God and we begin to experience God's love for us, it begins this trust-building relationship. And as we begin to build our trust in the Lord, we begin to build our trust with God. We begin to raise that shield of faith. It begins to quench the lies 
They begin to quench the schemes and the plots and the circumstances and all the things that are being hurled at us. See, life has a way of trying to knock us down. The enemy has a way of getting into our lives and trying to knock us down. But the Bible says if you take that shield of faith, it'll quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. As you begin to trust in that truth that God is speaking, as you begin to trust in that peace that God is speaking over your life, as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and fill you with that peace and show you what is truth and begin to remind you of Christ's righteousness in your life, it builds that trust. It builds that faith. See, we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. The Bible says each one of us has been given a measure of faith. So we don't always start out in the same place. We don't always have the same relationship. See, my relationship with my wife is different than my relationship with my mom. My relationship with my wife is different than my relationship with my neighbor. See, I have a trust for my wife because we are in a relationship and we've got to know each other. There's there's love. And as she begins to tell me things and I begin to experience those things, it begins to build a trusting relationship between me and my wife. But my experiences that I have with my neighbor aren't necessarily the same. They're different. What I'm saying is, is every relationship in your life is going to be different. And everybody approaches God from a different perspective, from a different set of experiences, from a different set of circumstances, from a different station in life. And so we all come in with a different type of faith, a different measure of faith, a different portion of faith. But the Bible says that as we grow in God, we go from faith of faith, a, a deeper measure of faith. As we get to know God better, we come into a different level of trust. And we can take God at his word. So let's talk about those other two pieces. So we've got the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace. We've got the belt of truth. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What is that? We have salvation through Jesus Christ. Now that word salvation means saved from damnation. It means healed. It means delivered. That word salvation actually addresses all three parts of men. It addresses the physical, it addresses the mental, and it addresses the spiritual. The helmet of salvation. See, there's a battle going on, and the battle most of the time is between your ears. The battle most of the time is in your mind. Most of the time it's what the world has taught you, the world's embedded in your head, the world's embedded in your thinking, and your thinking that's not aligned with the truth of God's word keeps you from experiencing this salvation 
in completion. What I mean by that is it's one thing for you to be saved in your spirit and receive Christ into your spirit and have access to heaven. It's another thing to be saved in your soul and in your mind and in your will and in your emotions and experience the true freedom and the true life and the true benefit of being a Christian in your mental capacity so that you can have peace and joy and a victorious life here on earth. One prepares you for heaven. The other prepares you for earth. And then in your body. See, Christ says, Beloved, I wish that you all would prosper, even as your souls prosper, and be in good health. See, God wants us to be in good health. Why? Because have you noticed when you're not in good health and when you're dealing with physical ailments, it puts a lot of stress on your mind. It puts a lot of stress on your will, on your emotions. And ultimately that affects our spiritual walk and the way we relate to God and the way we we relate to people. So God wants us to be whole in our spirits, whole in our minds, whole in our bodies. Why? So we can love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. See, it all works together. The helmet of salvation. Getting our mind, getting our thinking, change our stinking thinking and get in line with God's thoughts. Get in line with God's truth. God's perspective on the matter. And then the next piece of armor is actually a weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this piece is not only for defense. See, skilled swordsmen know how to attack, and they also know how to defend with a sword and it does both it's a defensive and an offensive move and see it's one thing to have your armor on and be protected from all the attacks of the enemy but that kind of puts us in a certain place where we're not really taking ground and we're not really winning a battle and we're not really having victory because we're just defending ourselves and we're staying in that same place. But we take the sword of the Spirit, and we can advance forward, and we can begin to attack our enemy with the sword. We can begin to take ground and take the battle, and we can begin to take up a victory in Christ with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the last thing Paul talks about is prayer. See, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we're praying and watching. These are also weapons. We've got the Word of God. See, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, how did he defeat the devil? He said, it is written, it is written, 
It is written. Every time the enemy came at him, his response was, it is written. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's very important that we get this word, the word of God, the Bible, the truth, down into our spirits and into our minds so that we can defeat our enemy. Praying always in all matter of prayer and supplication and watching. Watching and praying. Very important pieces of weaponry, pieces of armor as well. These are used for attacks and not defending. Praying, prayer, watching, which is waiting before the Lord, listening, waiting for God's instructions, which all tie into that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Now, like I said, I'm briefly skimming over these tonight. I'm briefly going through these tonight so that we can just get a grasp on what we've been told is ours for victory. See, if we're going to win the war, if we're going to win the battle, it's important that we know what is given to us so that we can have the victory. And if we know what's given to us and we learn how to use it, learn how to use these pieces of armor, learn how to use these weapons of warfare, then God says, draw near to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And as we walk with our armor and our sword held high, we can resist the enemy. And we have a promise from our Heavenly Father that he will flee. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that you have made things in your word clear, that we're in a battle. Father, you've provided every tool, every weapon necessary for preparation so that we can have victory and we can overcome. We can be more than conquerors and overcomers because, Father, you said we could. And we choose to believe you tonight, God, even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, even though sometimes it feels like we're the victim and we're going through that storm, Lord, help us to stand. Help us to stand firm with your peace, standing on your truth, standing with your word, knowing that we're righteous in Christ, Father, I pray for everybody listening tonight, today, whatever time of day it is where they are. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would send help from the sanctuary. You would be an ever-present help in time of need. Your Holy Spirit would go forth to bring peace to every heart, to every soul. Father, I declare victory over everyone that's going through a storm and a battle right now. And declare that you will have the last word, Lord. You will have the final say in the matter. So, Father, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us wisdom. Give us the victory. We just ask this in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the weapons of war and the armor of God that you clearly laid out in Ephesians 6. Now listen, if you have any prayer requests, if there's anything you need, you can 
email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. You can go to our website, www.prayerinternational.org. And, of course, you can check us out on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You can tune into Blog Talk Radio slash Prayer International. And we'll be here throughout the week ready to pray, ready to share the truth of the Word so that you can grow in your faith, you can get stronger in your spiritual walk, and you can walk in victory. My name is Chris Herzog. This is Prayer International. You have a good night. the voice of the one I love is calling my name.